Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. I am a nurse who left traditional Western medicine to explore the vast potential of healing that exists in our natural world. From psychic healers to psychedelic wellness, this is your source to your own human potential. This next episode was spectacular. Having the opportunity to go back and edit it meant the world to me because there were so many poetic tidbits of understanding of our own awakening and an opportunity to recognize that our spirituality is in fact being okay and accepting and creating a almost romantic relationship with the mystery, the unknown, the unknown in ourselves, the unknown in our lives, and the unknown that is greater than us. Bina Byrne is the visionary founder of Rootstock Retreat, a sanctuary in northern Vermont dedicated to healing, conscious creation, connection, and joy through medicine retreats, monthly ceremony, magical gatherings, and a small wood-fired bathhouse. Bina is supporting curious humans from all over the world and from all walks of life to find their way back to center. You'll love this and you'll love the way she speaks about her work. Her understanding and experience is beautiful. Enjoy. Bina, thank you so much for coming to the show. It is just, I'm so grateful to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do? You bet. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My name's Bina Byrne. I am the founder of a little rustic retreat center in Northern Vermont called Rootstock Retreat. Um, And I am doing a lot of different things here. Rootstock is my home. It's my church. It's my business. It's my family, my community. It's also my service. Um, And so a lot of what happens here is um, humans coming to come back in touch with the planet Earth to come back in touch with themselves, uh, each other, how to human. <laughs> um, and so that uh, that's delivered in a variety of different ways. My, my personal healing practice is rooted in uh, mushroom medicine. So I hold medicine retreats here for individual small groups and um, larger groups of 10. And then also do monthly ceremonies and rituals for women and men, moon and sun circles, equinox and solstice. A lot of uh, elemental healing in the form of a rustic bathhouse. So basically a lot of wood fired hot water um, and forest bathing is also part of the the mix. And then there's little dwellings and um, sort of off grid space for people just to come and relax and heal. And so all those things kind of blend together, depending on what somebody's looking for. And all of them are things I also need. So (laughs) that's a little, a very nutshell version of rootstock. That's amazing. I love the idea of the warmth and the water. How long have you found a type of retreat that you like to run over and over again that's a certain length? Or um, do you do all sorts of different stuff or does it change? Yeah, I mean, I the the creative aspect of creating, like creating containers is really, I think, one of my like that's part of my, my sort of gift and genius in the world is to do that. And so I really welcome making all kinds of really interesting containers in terms of the medicine work. I'm very uh, grounded in that practice. I've been um, in service holding psychotherapeutic psychedelic space now for um, just under five years. And for that, I have a very sort of grounded, clear format and I don't do a lot of, um, 
yeah, I don't do a lot of sort of uh, innovating around that right now beyond just sort of honing. Um, but outside of the medicine work, I'm like, yeah, very able to do all kinds of things. There's a like vast array of gatherings and retreats that happen here that are sort of various lengths. And, you know, there's a herbal pasta apprenticeship, which is happening over the course of like eight months here. There's geomancy and earth magic. There's all kinds of really interesting things where other practitioners come and bring their medicine. And so when I'm co-creating with somebody else, I'm very, um, it's very joyful and flexible and mostly just rooted in like what's possible with time and space. (laughs) That is amazing. I'm just, you know, rooted in what's possible with time and space. So just for the record, I don't know if we said, but you are in Vermont, right? Yeah. Beautiful Vermont. That's amazing. So does the seasons, I know it gets really cold in winter. Do the seasons really limit the type of retreats that you do or? You know, uh, no. Um, You know, the elemental healing is this concept. And I think there's a lot of different lenses and ways that people think about that. Um, It doesn't matter what kind of offering is happening here. I personally am like very um, grounded inside the medicine wheel and also the elements. And so that's sort of how I orient myself, no matter who I'm talking to or what's going on. And so when weather gets weathery, um, which it does here a lot, you know, that's, that's medicine, it's information, it's an invitation. Um, so today it's, you know, pretty cold, um, but like bluebird sky and every snow crystal is like, uh, like glimmering and it's beautiful. And so I don't, I'm not deterred by weather. I mean, certainly because of the little sort of rustic nature of what I do here, you know, the cold weather months, which where I live, it's almost, you know, seven or eight months of the year is winter reduces the number of people that I can gather with. So Um, medicine retreats, for example, in the cold weather months are limited to four people journeying with two of us um, in service, myself and an apprentice. That's so amazing. So I have to tell you, my husband's from Vermont and I was born in California and we had a conversation a couple months ago where I didn't know snowflakes were real, like the pretty snowflakes. I really thought that that was just made up because the California snow that I saw in Lake Tahoe, it never got that cold. So it's just really funny. And it's just beautiful that you say that there is something so spectacular about what the weather can offer. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a miracle. And in summer, summertime here, you know, like I've experienced five seasons in a day. And I think, you know, coming back to just like the work at hand, which is like coming back into right relationship with how to be in the world, recognizing that, you know, as without, so within, like the weather is just sort of a reflection of us. And so when it changes (laughs) or when it's hard and cold and contracted or like really lush, and open and juicy, like there's some part of that um, that's accessing some part of us. And so being able to sort of not be like in, op- in opposition to it or, or um, you know, protecting ourselves from it, but to really like invite ourselves deeper into it, I feel like is, um, yeah, a gift. You just said um, the work is how to be at right with the world. Is that what you said? In right relationship. In right relationship with the world. That is really gorgeous. I can't wait to dive more into your perspective about that. Yeah. I really like to kind of go back and um, make your story a little bit more human. Can you tell us a little bit about (laughs) your own process in um, how you fell in love with this work and how you got to know yourself a little bit more? Where did that start? A lot of failure. I mean, honestly, like I, you know, the more that you sit with people in like the vulnerable space of medicine work, 
um, the more you realize that everybody is suffering just about the same. Like it's really, it's a very difficult thing to be alive in this world. And the things that motivate us to get brave and the things that motivate us to grow and the things that motivate us to expand or ascend or evolve are very rarely like tempting, beautiful things. It's most likely rejection and failure and sickness and fear, you know, like getting pushed into the rock and the hard place more often than not is the lever that I, that I experience people sort of really being willing to like move with. And in my case, you know, I was like a very normal I guess I've never really been totally normal, but I was a conventional person, high functioning executive um, in the luxury fashion industry in the natural food sector, the, the dean of this or that at a couple colleges here in Vermont, you know, high functioning person, ambitious and married and divorced, lived all over the world. And I did all, I got a degree in economics and philosophy. Like I did all the things that you're supposed to do. I, I checked all the boxes and made the money and found, you know, wore the ring and did the things and like, no, no part of it was actually like deepening my relationship with myself. No part of it was like, softening the edges of where my trauma, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, molded me. No part of it was actually like guiding me on how to live in this world, like no part of it, you know, and I was just like a good robot. Um, and I made the most of that and I had a great experience and I was successful at all the things that I did. And, um, and it was a gift to be able to sort of like move through the world in that way. But around the age of 40, I'm 45 now, I'll be 46 in a couple months, about five years ago, you know, and, and I guess I'll say this in my younger life, you know, as like a, as like a reckless, you know, college student into my early twenties, I had no fear about anything. And so I did a, like a vast amount of experimentation with all kinds of psychedelics, all kinds of materials, all kinds of ways of being. Um, and then paused that, you know, fortunately it didn't like suck me under like it did for many of my beloveds. But, you know, many, many years later, I arrived to 40 and got out of the last of a long line of mean daddy relationships and had this moment. I found, I bought this house on this beautiful 10 acres and I had this kind of moment of truth, which was if I don't fucking figure out how to be well in my life and in my relationships and in this world, nobody is going to figure it out for me. Like I have to heal. I have to heal. And so that brought me on a very spiralic path, but a very clear one. And, you know, there was obviously like a lot of sort of foundational stuff that happened prior to this, but like, you know, I, I, the land here is very communicative. It's very intense. We were talking about the seasons and the elements, like where I live is rugged and wild and uh, it's definitely like vortex energy. And so from the moment I moved here, there was like this really clear ask that I didn't understand. I like didn't speak rock and I didn't speak tree and I didn't, I didn't know what was being asked of me. And so I ended up going into this shamanic apprenticeship and inside that met, you know, excavated a lot of things and kind of got in touch with snake medicine, um, which 
brought me into a very formative ayahuasca seminar um, in Southern Brazil with some really important teachers and just a deep and like essential experience for my, for my becoming. Um, and then snake medicine still kind of brought me into a Kundalini yoga teacher sort of training and a deep yoga practice. And all of that kind of in this like sort of tonifying way gave me the clarity, the skill set, the courage, and then the creative impulse to start to ask myself some good questions. So the questions were basically this, what heals me? What makes me feel generous? What makes me feel powerful? What stimulates my creativity? What makes me soften and open? What makes me want to share, you know, and be like as big as I can be? And answering all of those questions was kind of how I reverse engineered rootstock. And so that's the sort of um, winding journey here. And so slumber parties in the form of, you know, women's retreats and, and, and all gender retreats and plant medicine in a deeply held, reverent, careful, therapeutic way. And a lot of altar building and earth medicine and magic, really good food, beautiful gardens filled with perennial medicinals that we like steep in oil and rub on ourselves and good music and deep, deep, deep time unplugged from what the world wants us to do unplugged from who's following us or what we need to say to them. Um, and just present. That was a lot. <laughs> I was thinking the answer to all those questions you just asked for me is to have the opportunity to get to have conversations like this one. It's just amazing. And never ceases to amaze me, um, you know, people's story. And what I loved most about what you said is that pain for people is a lever. And you're saying that the more work that you've done, the more you realize everyone is going through the same suffering. That was um, really beautiful and, um, and honest. And I just, I'd love that work. And you spoke about having a safe container and what there's so much there there's it's that's everything having that opportunity to provide sacred space and to and it's like also this trippy process where we continually learn how to deepen our sacred space you know within ourselves and within the world within our home within each other yeah yeah definitely yeah it's a journey it's I mean there's so much uh co-creation is hard people are hard and complicated and, you know, to be able to sort of gather with intention, knowing, okay, we're going to do something together and it's going to, it's going to chafe in places and it's going to create some heat and some friction. And, um, and we're going to have to navigate feelings and how do we do that? You know, I mean, I feel like that's so much of what's lost in our world right now. I mean, it's so binary and fractured and just divisive and um, difficult to be able to sort of hold the both and of, I feel this way, but I also can accept that you feel that way. And yeah, I'm good most of the time, except when I'm bad some of the time. And, you know, I, I, I'm grieving the world that I love and um, am watching die. And I'm exalted and delighted with the world that I'm helping bring to life and like being able to sort of have space where humans that are not used to doing that 
um, are like gently guided to be able to feel those big feelings and let that energy sort of flow in a way that's productive um, and creative. You know, it's very delightful. <laughs> it's like my joy. So when you went through your own process where you had said to yourself, I have got to heal. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that process looked for you? Because when I do these podcasts and I hear everybody's story, they are so unique and our own challenges and our own self-talk and our own judgments, how we work with that is so unique, you know? So how did that look for, um, for you? Yeah. Like not, it like, it wasn't pretty. I don't think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not objective, so I don't know how it looked, but like how it felt was like, you know, uh, to be like an intellectual being, right? And to like use intellect to solve a lot of problems and to have a command of like language to be able to compel and convince. It's easy to get tricked into your ego sort of believing that it knows what the fuck it's doing. And so, you know, for me to be like, kind of like successful and smart and capable and able in so many ways in my life, I had this assumption that I should be able to point that intellect at my own, um, healing journey and somehow crack that nut in, in the same way that I can like solve somebody else's problem with a, you know, strategic, whatever. And I don't think it was clean like that. I think, you know, I, I had a, when I, when I left New York city and moved to Vermont, like silly girl, I was like, I am calling in patience and humility, right? patience and humility and like what a what a nice thing to call in <laughs> I love that the actual like impact of like a seven-year stretch of like learning a little bit about patience and humility was like it looked messy like it looked like i really fucked up selling a house and had this like terrible tenant situation and like drama in my love life and like intensity in my work life. And, you know, it, it was like this kind of thrashing energy of like, um, me kind of at war with myself, you know, and like already aware that like the victim, the victim frequency, like the victim mentality is like not useful. And so like, all of this stuff is going down. I'm aware that I am the captain of the ship. I'm trying to be accountable. I'm trying to fix the actual like material 3D problems. It was very like, it was very intense and very, um, yeah. like it felt um, a little crazy to me, honestly, you know? And like all the while, like I'm like a functional person and I'm doing my job and I'm like kind to my friends and creating left and right, like calling in moon circles. Um, and so it was like this, like very, um, it was like this very layered thing where, yeah, I was traveling in, in Beijing some years ago and I had this sensation when I was traveling. Have you been to Beijing before? No, I wish. I had this sensation when I was traveling there that it was, that the city was falling apart as quickly as it was being built. So it's like in this like really like kind of like tense holding of like destruction and creation. And there was some element of that in me where I was like the tension between what I was tearing apart in my life was sort of held by like what I was creating. 
And so, you know, I'm grateful that people love me and like me and I'm grateful that um, I'm like useful in ways, you know, I mean, it was definitely like a really intense time. And um, for me, I think some of what I gave myself then and some of what I still give myself is just permission, permission to not know, permission to not know how to grieve and permission to not know how to accept, you know, and just, so I, I was learning that whole time, just how to permit myself to be imperfect, um, to permit myself to be, there's a Kim Krantz quote, like, may I be tender with myself as I become myself. And so it was like a very like embodied version of that. And I don't think it would have it turned out as well for me as it did had I not been held by this like extraordinarily generous, beautiful, loving forest that I live inside of this place where I live, like held me in that. And I think that was also some of my path through it was just coming, coming home to, to mama earth. Um, and not in like a Instagrammable way, but in a way where like, it's how I live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really needs to be said. I like your comment about the Instagrammable way. And then there is a more deeper authentic um, version of the work. Um, I really appreciate the way you express that duality of the both and especially using Beijing as a beautiful metaphor. And what I want to know, because I'm also there learning how to stand on the edge of the unknown and that's what I'm being okay with. And what's interesting about getting to that position is that it's still a new thing for me. I'm not, this is an old hat. Like, you know, I'm still like up at the unknown and it feels like I'm learning to walk. And it's just trippy to, it feels like what you're talking about as far as the um, deconstruction and recreation is, is it, that it continually goes that way. That there isn't like, okay, it happens this one time. And then we just, you know, we're good to go. We're constantly being aware of the way we're changing and letting go and the courage it takes to face the unknown and to allow. Totally. And, you know, I think inside, inside the, the world of psychedelics, um, watching it kind of blossom and explode and maybe even implode a little bit, like whatever's happening, it's like this big energy, right? And, and there's all of these... Um, you know, there's, there's stories and there's claims about this thing solved that I fixed this, this helped me do. And, um, you know, it's just so like my practice here, like there's many practitioners that are working in many ways and everybody has to kind of find their way into what to do with, with this. Um, for me, exactly what you just described, Tanya, like the, like nowhere in nature is there a stasis. There is not one thing in nature that does not change. And if you really get to like the subatomic sort of level, everything is vibrating. And so there's the sine wave movement to every single thing that happens, including us. And when you recognize that like nowhere in nature is there a place called happy, or a place called fine, that it's always part of this like movement, this wave, then it becomes obvious that like our work is not about being fine. Our work is about knowing when we're fine, knowing when we're not fine, 
and learning how to sort of surf that wave in a way, you know, when I, when I'm guiding people here, um, with, with psilocybin, you know, I'll say, you know, we'll talk about resistance, like resistance to change, resistance to transformation, resistance to the medicine resistance. Um, and, and using that same sine wave, uh, example, think about this, like you're at the top, there's a beautiful vista, everything feels okay. And you start to feel the bottom dropping out. You start to feel the descent. You start to feel like the clouds are moving in and your energy is flagging and like shit's going off the rails. So digging in your feet and like clawing into the side and like whole trying to not go down. By the time you get to the bottom, you literally have no momentum to get back up. And so then you have to like climb back up. But learning how to trust that the moon is new and the moon is full and the tide is in and the tide is out and it's spring and then it's fall. When that descent starts to come, if you can just lean right into it, no resistance, welcome what's coming, there's momentum. And then the, the, the space spent like in the muck can get shorter or the, or the, or the wave can be a little less steep, you know, and it's more about learning how to just sort of surf that, that, that the wave and like, let yourself fall and then let yourself rise. Um, and have that sensation be the sensation that we're sort of craving or striving for, or wanting to put in a bottle, like a firefly instead of the top or the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an amazing idea. I love it. Not to dig in and to go more with gaining your momentum from allowing. Like that's incredibly beautiful. You uh, you arrive to the next to the next peak much much faster. You you've squandered less energy. You've caused less pain and destruction for everyone around you. Um, and it's going to happen whether you want it or not, because we're waveforms, <laughs> you know, and I love, I love how you work with psilocybin in reflection of, um, resistance. And I love that you also said there's many claims out there right now with the explosion of our second Renaissance with psychedelics that, um, uh, it is a fix all, but I really think that you landed on an important part and it can't be said enough. Like this opportunity to release our default mode network and to, to look inward is just a reminder to do the work. It's like just a space to allow ourselves to see. And then we have to carry forward with doing more of the work and releasing the practice of resistance and moving into trust. And it's just such a, it's such a beautiful thing when we can do it. And then when we get to do it, we get to share it a little bit with our animals and our family and our friends. And is there anything more beautiful than that? No. And I feel like, you know, like that, that's the that's the, that's the narrative that I'm hopeful, like more and more people inside the psychedelic space are going to sort of claim, you know, the colonizing human instinct to just eat more, get more, gimme, 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 um, fix it, fix it. Give me a pill. Let me fix it. Um, that has gotten us into this mess. And so, you know, chemically speaking, you know, you can't eat psilocybin every day and be affected by it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so how do we like, use the time with the medicine to like learn how to be in the world without it, you know? And like, how do we allow ourselves like the space to cultivate connecting energetically with the seasons, with the elements, with the red squirrel that's on my wood pile right now? Like how, like, like using the medicine to kind of sensitize ourselves, give ourselves new muscle memories 
of like what it feels like to receive earth medicine, what it feels like to be in coherence with nature, what it feels like to be able to sort of be that wave without trying to like control it. That's a lot of how I, that's a lot of what my practice is kind of rooted in is, is, is that angle. And it feels honest Mm -hmm. and it feels achievable. You know, it like for people, even like, you know, I work with all kinds of people. So I, I'm, very, uh, very, very open to folks that feel called to work with me. Um, and you know, I, I was working with a, a veteran recently who did like many tours of, of, of duty and, you know, like working with somebody like that versus like a yoga instructor, somebody who's here to kind of expand their, their sort of, um, their understanding of what now means. It's so interesting because they're radically different people, but when it comes down to that sort of like elemental truth of like, how do you keep this fire burning? How do you bring the sensation that you have here home with you? It's kind of the same for everybody. It like comes back to the sun rises every morning and the sun sets every day. And there's like a perfect invitation to like bring ceremony back into your life in a way that's like literally authentic to you. So you don't need to like fire up all your crystals and like get all like dress right and like be woo. You can just use what is nature's already giving us in the form of the moon and the form of the seasons and the form of the tides to kind of connect with that wave in a literal way. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah, that was just absolutely incredible. I love that thought process. And I love that you also said that our now looks essentially the same and that the morning sun and the the setting sun is an invitation for our own ritual and ceremony like that is just incredibly gorgeous. When I first started this work myself, um, what I thought the work is because I continue to change it, you know, especially when I get to meet wonderful individuals like yourself, what I thought the work was, is um, instead of that wave idea, I was thinking, okay, well, what you do is you see yourself and then you forgive yourself and you keep going because before I could get to a place where I could transcend the idea to living life as a wave, I had to really deal with this inner critic that is like incessant and crazy and difficult. And so it's like, you watch it, you see it, you forgive it and keep going. And that's, and so that's what I was really working, um, teaching women. But I think that what happens is you get to a place to where you can even get beyond that and see it more in that sense of flow. It doesn't have to be like inner critic, forgive, move on, you know? (laughs) No, it's a, it's a, it's a spiral. It's like a merry-go-round, you know? And it's like, or that scene from like, you know, European vacation, like parliament, Hey, look kids, parliament, big Ben. you know, that scene where they just go around and around that rotary. I, it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's so many wise people that have sort of found way Rumi and, you know, like Gandhi. And uh, there's so many wise people that have been able to sort of articulate what it is, what it is, what it is. Right. And it's like Ram Das talking, like, we're all just walking each other home. We're all just sitting around a fire together. There's literally nothing to fucking do. There's literally like nothing to do except for like find whatever way you want to participate in this performance art that we are all sort of stuck inside of. That's a Terrence McKenna quote. It's like, like, you know, if you like this, all the programming about like 
make the money and security with your 401k and uh, productivity and virtue right now. Virtue is very big, right? Like, are you a good person? Do you have enough flags on your flagpole and enough signs in your yard to make sure that everybody knows that you're like woke and right and good? And it's like, all of this is just like distracting us from what, whatever it is we're called to be doing, you know, like. Oh, that's so the, interesting. The deep, deep, deep service of like creation. Yeah. The virtue thing, but I can, I it, as far as socially and culturally, but I have noticed that virtue thing within myself, you know? Mm. I think the COVID pandemic has been a, ha, has been like just a, like a polarizing sort of moment of people um, sort of assigning virtue to their choices and then kind of like rooting into that. And so people that are feeling like the vaccination is a wonderful um, beneficial way to give to the world are really clear about that. And people that are feeling like they're more kind of interested in body sovereignty and sort of not being, um, I don't know, injected with something that they don't want to be injected with, that they are also sort of fighting for the good of the world. And both it, but 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 it's easy to kind of think that one is less virtuous than the other. And so that's kind of where, like, that's oh, one I example of what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think in the psychedelic space, too, there's like, you know, there's going to be deep opportunism. There's going to be charlatanism. There's going to be, like, really radically deep, generous people. And then, of course, there's, like, the indigenous practitioners that have been doing this forever. And, like, uh, you know, f- figuring out you know, just finding our way. It's like, it's a complicated matrix. And so like to realize that there's no right way for any one of us to move through it, to recognize that the doubt and the criticism and the fear and the, and the, and the feelings of connection are all just sort of pulling us to or from wherever it is we're supposed to be walking, but we're never going to really get there. And so how do you just enjoy the the journey, (laughs) the metaphor of all metaphors. (laughs) I feel this incredible, like bear energy from you. Like you're this like incredible, um, ancient (laughs) bear. (laughs) Well, mama, mama bear is a very important part of medicine work here at Rootstock and she's sleeping right now, but inside the context of, of medicine work here, when we're calling in the medicine of the West, inviting in, in the deep winter, when she's sleeping, we'll invite her to sleepwalk with whoever's journeying here and, and bear medicine, um, is really about coming back into rhythm, knowing when to sleep and dream, knowing when to wake and hunt, knowing how to move with the seasons and move with the weather and move with time, um, in a way that is like inherently natural, inherently guided by actual organic intelligence, as opposed to like, you know, human constructs of work weeks and um, work days and <laughs> all that garbage. Mm-hmm. When I was 17, I was going to go to school to become an Ayurvedic practitioner, but I got pregnant and ended up going the Western medicine model because it just made more sense. And, you know, I'm not anti-Western medicine, but I can see how the culture personally really left its mark on me because as you said, in the executive world, 
there's really this idea of, okay, this is what's good and this is what's bad. And you have to be this way in order to be normal. And you can't, there was no room for this human sense of connection to nature and flow. There was, this is what a good patient's like. This is what a bad patient's like. This is what a good provider's like. This is what a bad, this is what you do. This is what you say. It was so, so controlled. So for me, like finally understanding that I could no longer live in those, um, limitations and giving myself room to do it. It was a, it was such a hard process. So I have tremendous amount of compassion for the the process that you did and the process that people are going through now, because it's really hard to leave those deep ingrained ideas of what perfect good, you know, is, and then choose to not know what's next and to choose how to live in the relationship with you in the world now, you know? Yeah. That's another really beautiful gift of plant medicine, regardless of what plant ally you're working with, like welcoming the mystery, welcoming, not knowing. That is so beautiful because sometimes I'm always like, okay, am I feeling spiritually connected enough? Like that question, like how spiritually connected am I? Like, hmm, do I feel connected to something higher? It's always like questioning, but you're saying, what if it's just welcoming that mystery? What if that spiritual connection is the mystery? Like, how beautiful is that? How romantic? That's so roomy. Well, and how, and I mean, and that's aerodynamic. I mean, I feel like, you know, like so much of, you know, depression and disease and stuckness and anxiety, you know, these are like dense, heavy frequencies and they like magnetize, they like, they like are drawn to each other and they get heavier. And, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, well, so like, you know, coming here, right, for inside a medicine retreat, you know, there's a lot of medicine, right? There's mushroom medicine, there's music medicine, there's elemental healing, there's presence medicine, right? There's all kinds of medicine. As soon as the 36 hour arc culminates, the story is the medicine how they relate to what happened here, how they recount that, how they're able to draw from it, how they're allowed, like how, how, how flexible they let themselves be. I always invite people to like, when they start to kind of craft the narrative of what they did here, I invoke Rumi and like Hemingway and Paul Simon and Jackson Pollock. You know, you don't need to be a fucking scientist. You don't need to be literal about what happened. Be as poetic as you can be. And the more permission that we give ourselves to tell the exact same truth, but from the top of the angle, as opposed to the bottom of the the wave, it becomes more aerodynamic. It becomes more generative. It becomes uplifting. It becomes positive. Um, And that's not really like fake it till you make it. It's just like, it's energy doesn't lie, you know? And so to be able to, um, Welcome the mystery as your spiritual practice. Welcome the not knowing. Welcome the wondering. Welcome the wishing as like exactly where you are on the journey. You know, to me, that's like beautiful. It's perfect. It's totally enough. (laughs) Wow, Bina. Well, I'm going to buy my ticket and I'll be there tomorrow. I would, del- I would love for you to be with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's so helpful. And I know to many of my listeners, that's going to be incredibly helpful. So I'm just, I'm just so excited for that ease. And so you mentioned like you were calling in, you know, patience and humility and you're kind oh, right. of 
laughing about how hysterical that is to do that. And it's like, we think we have so much control and, um, and it, it's just so interesting to be able to see where the real patience and humility comes from and what that really is. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a bold thing, like at any point, anywhere in time, especially like in the Piscean age, which we're like coming out of to like self-certify yourself, right. Without like somebody telling me you're ready, you're initiated. It's time for you to move to this next phase. Like I gave that to myself and it's something that I'm trying to support other people to give to themselves. Like we're out of the the village now. And we don't have these initiations anymore. We don't have these rites of passage and, you know, paying whatever a hundred thousand dollars to some Ivy league school every year for four years to get a certificate, right. That says that, you know, something, um, I don't know. I've met a lot of very like well-educated people who don't know that much about how to be in this world. And so, you know, to be in an age where we do need to kind of claim our readiness to claim our place at whatever table we're at or to make the table, um, it feels like that's what's going to change the world. Like people rising into their truth, not being afraid of whatever sort of um, learning whatever sort of gathering, whatever sort of process they need to go through in order for they themselves to deeply know that they are ready for whatever it is, you know? And so that process of me calling in patience and humility is hilarious. Um, and the universe like doesn't ignore you and it delivered in spades, you know, like it delivered and delivered and delivered. And I didn't have the, the wisdom back then to like know what I was doing, but I am so grateful to like 10 years ago, Bina for being cocky, for being heady, um, for being audacious. Right. And being like, I'm going to fucking do something, you know? And like, like, thank God I was that brazen and bold. Um, cause I don't think I would have actually like arrived to this moment in my life as grounded and clear as I am without that suffering, you know, like I, I personally needed to encounter a lot of, a lot of failure to be able to find my center. Yeah. And I have to say, I feel the exact same way. Like, um, um, my nursing career for the last 15 years, you know, it hasn't been wasted, but I recall, and I remember being in the ICU and, um, working with, um, alcoholics and, you know, we would get them to detox with all our medical ways. And, you know, it was just such a wild ride working with alcoholics. And I remember the culture there being, um, you know, oh my God, he just needs to stop drinking. Like we had no understanding of like how to humanly hold space for someone working through that. And it was no answer. That was never an answer The what, what we did. You know, I've watched people, particularly where I was, because I was in Lake Tahoe and they're, they're te- I mean, there's alcoholics everywhere, but where we have gambling, we tend to have a big amount of alcoholics. But it's just really interesting now to know, to get to see and to get to understand what, what's incredibly lacking and then to move towards what's possible. And we may not ever know. We're in this work of the psychedelic medicine. It, it, it's not going to be a cure-all. We know that, but we're, we're starting to open up new ways of understanding that are really beautiful and exciting. And I'm, it's just so neat to be able to walk towards it. More and more um, medical practitioners, doctors, emergency room doctors, therapists, social workers, nurses are, are coming here. And 
it's such a gift to be able to hold space for other healers, you know, regardless of sort of what arm of the world they're sort of healing in. And I think, you know, the real, the real revolution is going to come when the sort of the barriers of who's more, um, entitled to hold the mantle of healer dissolves and everybody is doing whatever they can do, you know? And so more and more I'm getting referrals from psychiatrists and psychologists, and then I'm supporting integration work with them and their therapist, you know, like it's the brave people inside of the current medical paradigm are becoming like the deus ex machina. They're becoming the God and the machine. They're becoming the ones that are willing to risk sending somebody to an experimental sort of unknown, mysterious thing, right? And then trusting that something good will come from it. And I think the more that people like you are doing this work and, and sharing and connecting with people, like it's, that's like the mycelial magic. That's the network. That's the way. Um, yeah. It's so beautiful. I love that you said that who's allowed to hold the mantle of healer. And when that, when we get to a place where that dissolves and what's interesting is, um, you know, kind of being a nurse and an advocate in the space, there are groups pop, uh, popping up, but what the nurses do in the medical community do is they say, okay, we can learn about this and we got to do our own work, but don't talk about it, you know? And it's like, it, it I can't do that. <laughs> That's not going to work for me. Like we got to move forward and there's got to be a few of us that will um, stand up, share and speak and do it as knowledgeably as possible. But the more, you know, the more you don't know, and the more open, um, you know, and humble you have to become. And I, you know, I thought I um, knew something and now I know, I know nothing. And um, it's all about collaboration, <laughs> you know? Totally. Totally. But I mean, you're brave. You're doing a brave thing. You're, you're like, you know, to be able to sort of, to be that, that translator, to be the bridge builder, to be a weaver um, and to bring, you know, to bring one paradigm into the other, you know, that, that brackish water um, is certainly inside a, a psilocybin journey. Like the, 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 the takeoff and the landing are, I call that brackish water. Like that's like this liminal space and it is so rich and so ripe. And it's like all the places where like edges meet or overlap or kind of bounce together, there's so much potential. There's so much energy that can come from that if people do it with, you know, integrity and curiosity and humility. Um, and so I, don't, I'm, I, I feel hopeful, you know, the world is fucked, but it's also, it's a polarity planet. And so it's equally unfucked, you know, as bad as it is, is exactly as good as it is. Um, you know, if you look at the, the Tao, like there's always the exact same amount of black and white. Yeah. I, I was in a, um, a book club the other day and they were talking about the globe going through the dark night of the globe as we go through our own dark night of the soul. And to me, it really feels like, you know, we had originally with the psychedelic uh, movement, Originally, there was this huge culture movement into um, our own sovereignty and our own healing and our own deeper understanding and spirituality. And it's happening the same way. And, and the, same, the same thing will not happen. Like the, the culture is going to rise and the medical community won't be able to meet it. But, but somewhere, maybe we can grow. And that's what I'm really hopeful for. You know, like I don't like we talk about the brackish waters, but we're talking about 
it's just so interesting. You know, I'm not, I'm just not sure what's going to happen, but the more we can meet each other in the middle, um, that's just, it's, it's worth doing because maybe we can meet each other in the middle more than we did before, which is kind of an interesting hope when we're living in a culture that's so divisive. Yeah, I think just, you know, welcoming mystery and and supporting, you know, I, the, you know, rootstock retreat, I, I write on all my emails, and it's on the website, like heal yourself, heal the world. And that's like a sweet, tidy thing to kind of like have as a tagline. Every fiber of my being trusts that that is the only way one beating heart at a time, one open mind at a time, one being at a time. And so being in, you know, like staying in service, and having the conversations and meeting people as you're able, you know, that's all there is to do. And so, so we carry on. <laughs> yeah. wow, that was so beautiful. So where can people um, find you? What's your website? Uh, my website is rootstockretreat.com and everything is there, you know, like if I do like weekly Zooms on Tuesdays, so people that are interested to learn more about how the medicine retreats work can, do, can dip in there or um, schedule a private consult. And I do coaching for people and have a neat apprenticeship. And there's all kinds of radical stuff that's happening here this summer. And so you can check it out on the website and hit me up there if you wanna learn more, connect. Oh, thank you so much. Let me know when you're coming, Tanya. (laughs) I'm definitely coming. Yeah, and I just wanna say that it is interesting being, I, I just love having the podcast and it is interesting being a nurse because I'll interview people who are on those two different, we're looking at these two different ways of like um, in the psychedelic community, there's the people that are sort of in support of the medical model. And there's people that are sort of in support of absolutely no medical legalization only. I just really hope that anybody listening, that we can find a way to bridge that and to meet each other and to walk each other home, like you said, and to keep the fires burning that we learn and um, to be okay with that continual learning. And I just loved this conversation so much. And I just loved how much you talked about Rumi and that's my favorite and, and, and the poetry of everything. So this is beautiful. Is there anything else that maybe we didn't get to touch on that you would love to share? No, I mean, this conversation went very fast and it was just beautiful. And it's such a, it's such a gift to get to talk about what I do here. I think, you know, it's, I'm in a really rural place. I'm like alone on this hill a lot of the time and just doing the work. And so, you know, it's an, it's a, it's a gift and blessing to be able to, uh, to have somebody curious about what I do (laughs) Um, and to like kind of share it outside of just the people that I work with here. I'm just very grateful for you uh, for taking time to talk to me. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This is wonderful. And it is time to gather community. I am so excited to say that I am launching my favorite course, A Journey Made Real, a seven-week integration course where we do a deep dive into creating our identity using plant medicines, understanding everything I know, sharing everything I know about plant medicines, the default mode network, healing our brain, and how to really get that extra space so we can change our lives for good. So many of you I know have tried everything as far as exercise, diet, the next um, best life coach. This is where we come together as a community and we heal together, um, sharing knowledge, spending time, and really giving ourselves that um, emotional brainwash of healing so that we can transform our lives. I'm so excited. The early bird special ends on February 20th, the first 
class is Sunday. It's going to be Sunday and Wednesdays for seven weeks, A Journey Made Real, where we learn integration as a lifestyle. So you can get in touch by me, uh, with me by reaching out um, via my website, tanyagilbert.com, T-A-W-N-Y-A, gilbert.com.